federal judge said no new trial for Holmes. They tried everything um, and just said, okay, we'll see you here on November 18th for sentencing. And that's going to be interesting because, again, as we know, she faces up to 20 years in prison. She's going to be first now because they put Sunny Balwani's hearing off until early December. So she will get all the attention once again. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, November 11th Veterans Day installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone. I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And as always, the host is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay. Gee, what did you do Wednesday, Scott? (laughs) Yeah, Wednesday was a big day that we were waiting for the biggest of the companies. I think the biggest growth story, perhaps, in the last decade or so, Meta. Uh, admitting they grow too fast and they've outgrown their profit, which is almost hard to believe given the amount of money that they pulled in via Facebook and Instagram. But clearly this metaverse is a bridge too far so far. And so they had to lay off 11,000 people in one fell I mean, we've been talking about this most of this year to date that his pursuit of the great white whale, the metaverse is not paying off and he's just shoveling money into it. And is this the moment where the metaverse catches up with him? Is that really what's going on? He blamed everything else. No, I think it is the the time the metaverse catches up. And and there are a couple of things going on here. I mean, Facebook, well, Meta hired a, a ton of people, as a lot of tech companies did during the pandemic, because we were all on Instagram. That's how people communicated, especially young people. So the advertising was just rolling in. Um, So that slows down. And that's one thing. And that's why we're seeing, I think, a lot of layoffs across the tech spectrum. Zuckerberg in his letter to the employees said, I really thought that the boom was going to keep going. Right. But I also think he needs to take responsibility for the metaverse itself. That was never a boom. I mean, we haven't seen anything from that yet. So the Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp boom of the pandemic um, is, you know, the slowdown there is perhaps responsible for some of this, but I think a lot of it, I would say the great majority of it can be pinned on Zuckerberg's really betting the farm on this metaverse that just hasn't happened yet. And think of all the money going in there and none of it's coming back. And he's lost his number two. I mean, Carol Sandberg was the adult in the room and she walked out apparently over his obsession with metaverse. Is he learning anything from this? I mean, is how difficult is it for him to lay off 11,000 employees? I mean, I mean, I believe his sincerity uh, in, in how difficult this is as far as what he's learning. I mean, he had to learn something to lay these people off as cruel and, and rough as it is to have a mass layoff and 11,000 people in one fell swoop is a big, big layoff, uh, no doubt. And that's why I think, and there's a cruelty to Wall Street that we've seen forever, when a company does trim the sales, its stock price often goes up. And I think investors are saying, maybe Zuckerberg has finally learned that you can't just shovel coal into this engine without anything coming back. And there are plenty of companies that take a long time to develop something, R&D, biotech. But to say hey, we've got this great metaverse and for nothing to show, I think investors just flat out got impatient with him. You know, 
I was thinking about precedence of this, and I, I hearken back a little bit to HP with Carly Fiorina, that she had a, a good, solid company. It wasn't doing great, but it was still top of the game. And she wanted to find some exciting new business to go into. And she tried to go into uh, the service business. And then instead, that didn't work. So she went after Compaq and damn near destroyed HP. Craig Barrett decided to take Intel, which was literally the most valuable company in the world at that moment, and have it pursue networking chips instead of pursuing mobile. And we see what's, I mean, look what's happened to Intel ever since. They're still trying to catch up on that mistake, which was almost 20 years ago. Uh, is is Meta facing the same thing? I mean, I, I was I was asking an interview yesterday, is this the end of Meta? And I said, no, I don't think so. They got a billion users. But I think it's it's the end of the beginning of Meta, of the, you know, the period where they were really an exciting, still young company. And I and I think that Mark Zuckerberg is might be pursuing this kind of like Carly Fiorina did. I mean, he's always built his company brilliantly. Facebook, then Instagram, then WhatsApp, you know, you go out and, and buy the newest hot thing for kids. And right now that's foreclosed because he can't buy TikTok. Yeah. I mean, and yet everything you said, I think might be going through his mind. Let's let's wind it back just a little bit. HP, even under Fiorina, was struggling with relevance. And yeah, you go into services, you do it wrong, you find out later. I mean, who's the king right now? Apple, how are they making a lot of money? Services. IBM sold off PCs to get into services. They did it right. HP just kind of swung and missed but they were worried about becoming irrelevant. Intel missed the mobile revolution. They'll pay for that as long as there is an Intel because who took over? Qualcomm, the mobile chips, NVIDIA with their chips. Um, I think in the social networking slash internet space, Zuckerberg was thinking of a similar lesson. And I bring up Yahoo and I bring up MySpace and companies that were hot and then became irrelevant. And now he looks to the other side and sees TikTok um, to a far lesser extent, Snapchat, but there are companies out there, even Twitter, that are doing relevant work. And I think he's afraid of going in that direction and becoming the next Yahoo. Now, should he have just bet the farm on the metaverse? I think the other thing you said would have been a better plan, which is to buy the next hot thing. If you talk about metaverse success right now, there aren't many companies you can talk about, but I think Roblox is one of them. It established yeah. itself. It took itself public. It's got a huge audience of young people who love to play games in the metaverse. If Facebook had somehow just bought them, I think that would have been their entree in the metaverse. It would have cost tens of billions, but at the same time, it would have saved tens of billions. And I think the world would be a different place right now. Instead, you have a publicly traded Roblox kind of struggling, trying to stay out there. And then you have Meta, which has just been keel-hauled in the public markets because of its insistence on trying to do something new. Well, I suspect there are thousands of former Facebook employees that are not in agreement right now well, to what you said. I feel for them. I, I just hope that even as we see cascading layoffs take off through the tech industry, that yeah. these talented people who built a behemoth company um, obviously, I've got my issues with with Facebook, but you can't knock the fact that these people built a gigantic, successful company. I, I hope and I have a feeling they'll find work out there pretty quickly. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, the economy looks like it might be warming up just slightly. I mean, otherwise, we're going to see a lot of people sitting in Starbucks and Pete's startup teams. You know, th this type of this time of the cycle is usually a great time to start a company. And maybe the next big thing is sitting out there and we'll see it, you know, at that next table over. Well, we get our latte. Yeah, think about it. Think about how many Twitter ex-employees and Meta and Salesforce and, gosh, Coinbase and Robinhood and Oracle and Lyft, you know, are all getting together at that Pete's table and saying, here's how to do this better. Let's let's try and that's something. That's how you do it, because during downturns, you get the you can recruit the very best talent that you could never get during boom times. Now, you did some calculations, right, for the station on how many people have been laid off around here? Yeah, we wanted to know to come up with a number. And as of, um, let's see, Wednesday, when Meta announced its layoffs, uh, Wednesday being the 9th. So from November 1st through November 9th, 21 Bay Area tech companies had announced layoffs, you know, from Salesforce to, uh, or anyway, 21 in those nine days. Um, the next day, three more uh, announced layoffs. And so we're up to 24 in just the first 10 days of the month. And that comes after an October that we saw some layoffs too. So we're really starting to see what we had talked about mid-year, the layoffs after the stock takedowns. Yeah. And once the big first big company goes through the door, which I guess is Twitter in this case, at 7,000 Stripe. Well, how many was it Stripe? I think Stripe had about a thousand. Thousand. About 700. Yeah. Salesforce, several hundred as well. Um, Salesforce surprises me. It seems like they're doing really well. You know, I think they are. That That felt like a layoff that was pretty small. You know, we talk about how some companies just sort of I don't know if they just trim their sales a little bit here and there. And they use the occasion because no one's covering it. I, I kept trying to find the number for Salesforce and it wasn't anywhere. And I thought, well, they timed that perfectly because it's between 7,000 for Twitter and 11,000 for, you know, Meta. Perfect time to announce. Benioff, a no dummy. Yeah. Benioff, they, they announced the layoff on election day. Yeah. And obviously a lot of people were busy. <laughs> Yeah, Election Day is the ultimate Friday dump right. for bad stories. Well, I saw a number here which just boggled my mind that uh, at least 20,300 U.S. tech workers were let go from their jobs so far in November and more than 100,000 since the beginning of the year. Uh, that's pretty nasty numbers. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of tech companies even outside the Bay Area that are doing layoffs. I mean, I've seen the charts and... Also, you have to take in, you know, you talked about how this could be a good time for startups, but it's also a tough time for startups because they're not getting bought as much. Yep. They're not getting funded as much because everyone's sort of reigning in the purse strings right now because of uncertainty ahead. So if Twitter and Meta are laying off thousands of people, they're not looking to buy startups necessarily right now. Also, VCs, they've got the money. But I think they're thinking twice and just sort of hedging their bets right now because look what was hot. Crypto was hot. Crypto is having a meltdown, which, you know, we could we'll say every about that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but some of the other areas are are struggling and seeing layoffs. And so right now, even if you're a well-funded VC, you're saying, let me take the pulse of this for an extra couple of weeks, perhaps. And so startups are laying people off. It's, it's tough out there right now. But, you know, there's a there's a secondary factor out there that we haven't really talked about, but without a lot of IPOs. You don't have rich seed investors sitting out there. 
Because right now, nobody's no startup is going to a VC. They're all in the seed round. You know, they're still sitting around the table at Starbucks with their computers open looking at spreadsheets. But six months from now, you better hope the VCs have large enough funds and that there are enough, enough people willing to take mortgages on their houses and everything else to fund their startups to set the next wave going. Exactly. And, and that's why it's a tough time for startups as well, because venture capitalists are, they're smart people and they know a downturn. They can sense it a mile away. And so why fund something that, you know, is sort of a possible thing when even the sure things are slowing down and laying people off? Yeah. Oh, let me go back. Let's go back to Meta for a minute. I want to talk about process. Did you go up to uh, Hacker Drive and sit out, camp out up there and wait for people to leave with their cardboard boxes? Well, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's really not done that way anymore. But yeah, uh, we could see how campus was. You just never know. And it's really tough these days because we know that, you know, workers are told not to talk to the press on their way out. It's part of their package. I get it. Um, but I heard from inside meta because i've worked with so many people for so long and some of them were really surprised that they got laid off others saw it coming um and you know talking to some people they're a little more uh thoughtful about it because hey they you know they cashed in some when the stock price was high and they get it and maybe they're now the ones on their way to pete's to start something but others were really blindsided and i'd say this about you know twitter just a week ago um where eleven thousand seems like a theoretical number until you're one of it and then it seems like a really big number and it is brutal if you're you know recently moved into a house in palo alto or something and you're thinking i need that salary and those stock options to pay the mortgage i got i got a story right here in my neighborhood one of my neighbors a woman worked at uh, has worked at facebook for years she went on her honeymoon came back the day before the announcement and ended up staying up all night with a friend of hers who also worked with in that same department and they survived, that's but it. everybody else in their department got laid off. Yeah, that's one of the things we're starting to see. And we saw this at Twitter too, where it wasn't just a trimming. There were entire departments laid off. And it shows that companies, I think, are really taking stock of what lies ahead. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And they're saying, we may just have to let this whole wing go if we're going to make it into the future. And it's almost like saying, you know, we need to, just dump entire, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Entire product lines and entire uh, research lines in, in Twitter's case, you know, we did see entire departments blown out and that's a brutal way to go. But uh, that shows that the company is literally changing course uh, in yes. the middle of a storm. And I think we forget a lot of the human costs of this. We see that number and we don't necessarily think of, you know, 13,000, 11,000, 7,000 individuals right. with families and mortgage payments and their kids need braces and on their teeth and all of that. I mean, this is tough stuff. Yeah. And, and even some of those who, who did survive the cut, I mean, spare a thought for those who are inside Twitter right now, watching and listening to Elon Musk just, you know, kind of make things up on the fly. And you've got to think, where in the world is this company going? And do I even want to be a part of it going forward when perhaps there is a job market right now, but who knows three, six months down the line? And near term, they're going to take on, I personally knew a gentleman, my cat, <laughs> uh, he's going to jump on top of the TV. This will be quite a sight. Yeah, 
um, no, I, I knew a gentleman. He was actually my scoutmaster, and they had big layoffs at his company. He had to take on three jobs simultaneously, three duties from the other two that got laid off. Had a heart attack, killed him. Oh my gosh! Uh, this is tough stuff, you know. Uh, I wish them all the best. You know, it's good. It's certainly going to be a wake up, I think, right now, in the Bay Area for Generation Z. I mean, they've they've lived a life. You watch those TikTok videos from Twitter, the the girl that goes in and does two meetings a day and gets all of her free food and her free glass of wine at the end of the day and goes up to, on the roof to sunbathe. These people are getting a real bad life shock right now. And you can laugh at them, but it's going to change their behavior. It's going to change their outlook. I think they really thought that things were going to be good for a long time. And this was the normal way of working. And they're going to find themselves now in a you know window, windowless room, you know, taking a pay cut and having to make that mortgage. And that's going to be interesting. Right. Tough. I mean, think about, yeah, think about the conversations going on now between people that age, let's say in their 20s, and those who lived through and perhaps suffered through the layoffs in 2008, 2009, 2010. And we saw a lot of tech workers, you know, have to take jobs at places like Starbucks and Pete's and Amazon yeah. delivery and it, just things that were way, way below their, their you know, usual uh, income and, and perhaps even skill set just because you've got to make ends meet here in, in Silicon Valley. And if you're a veteran of that, not to mention the dot-com bust, you're telling the those people. The valley literally shut down. I mean, right. you think freeway's empty now. You should have seen it after the dot-com explosion. I mean, business stopped in the valley. Uh, it was the most terrifying thing imaginable because you couldn't imagine it coming back. Um what do you think is the next big company to do a layoff? Google? Uh, gosh, Google Apple? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, so many of these companies, and even Google's doing well, but they're not doing as well. And you wonder if they might just say similar, like we just don't need this department going forward, or you know, we really have to trim the cost to please investors. Uh, you know, Google's in that mix. I mean, Amazon has just been crushed in the stock market. You got to believe yeah, that they've already announced freezing hiring. Right. And and it may get get deeper than that. I mean, Apple so far has stayed above, but even they're saying, you know, just short of a, a hiring freeze. And I think a lot of these companies have ways to go and, and cuts to make before they can convince their investors that they're in this for the long haul. I think it's going to last a little while. Uh, how about international? This is international news. I know that because in the course of 24 hours, I got interviewed by the BBC World and then by Al Jazeera English. And uh, the Beeb asked me, the one we always get, you and I always get, is this the end of Silicon Valley? And I pointed out that I've, I've predicted the end of Silicon Valley 10 times and I no longer do it because this valley has a ability to regenerate itself like no place ever. What do you think? What what are the prospects for the Valley near term and, sh and long term? Well, I think I think you've hit it on the head. We've seen this before. And, um, you know, I may not have seen it 10 times, but I've seen it a couple of times where the Valley had to slow down and really, you know, regroup. especially, yeah, regroup and sort of wait for some of those startups to develop and wait for the venture capitalists to get an appetite for risk again to fund these companies. But um you know, Google came out of the dot-com bust and think of all the apps and companies that came out of 2008 and 2009. Um, the Valley does do that. Now, 
the challenge I think is not innovation and good companies and exciting ideas. The challenge I think is convincing young people to live in an area that's so prohibitively expensive and say, Hey, give us five years and we'll make you a millionaire. You know, we'll discover something or we'll develop a new product. But during those five years, how do you survive if the rent is, you know, 2,500 for a one bedroom? I mean, it's, it's just gotten so crazy. And so maybe one of the changes we see short term is a lowering of that barrier. Housing prices come down because they're not selling. Rents come down because people don't need to live here. And then that helps seed the long term growth, which I believe will come back. But you need the next big thing. And in all of those, there was something hidden. I mean, even during the dot-com crash, there were four or five companies like Google, you know, uh, that were waiting in the wings, that no one had really noticed them. And then a few years later, when everybody left the Valley again, all the social networks started appearing. I don't see one right now. Is it med tech? I mean, that seemed to have its day, and now nobody's investing in med tech anymore. It turned out to be more complicated than anybody thought. Uh, you know, let me push back on that, because I've seen some funds that are focusing on on women's health care, and that's a hot field. And you're seeing some female VCs who traditionally don't get the funding and female CEOs who traditionally don't get the funding, and they're working together to say this is a gigantic, important field. So yeah. I always like med tech and biotech, and um, I think the two hot things right now are in that field, healthcare, uh, but also crypto. And I think if people put their bets on crypto, it's going to take a long time before we start creating jobs because that's been just so volatile. So I'd like to think that, you know, the next big thing is, let's say, uh, biotech or climate kind of tech. Um, and, And we're starting to see some movement there and some urgency in those areas. I think it's also going to be some sort of home learning. I think a lot of parents are pretty upset with that, what happened during the lockdown, and they've gotten used to having their kids home. A really efficient educational operation designed to help kids learn at home might turn out to, you know, to be a huge thing. I think homeschooling is becoming one of the hottest fields out there, uh, including college education. But we'll see. I mean, the whole point is the next big thing is something that none of us predict. It's some that some guy or a woman sitting out there. And coming up with, let's sell books on the internet. Um, We'll know it. I hope we know it when we see it. Yeah. And I I think we will. Um, We don't miss things that much because once something gets hot, all the money sort of chases it. Um, And our job, you and I, is to spot it before anybody else does. Right. Well, that's why we stay in touch with. Yeah, we stay in touch with the VCs because they know they know what's coming, and it's going to be a little while. But I think the smart money is going to start heading towards something, and we'll be able to say, "Hey, this might be a job generator to turn things around for uh, for our economy here." So, did you get a lot of skepticism from international media? Were they saying, "Oh, is this the end?" Oh, you know. I think the international press that that I heard from was really just focusing on on Meta, and they've been giving Meta skepticism since Zuckerberg came out and said, "Hey, we're gonna meet virtually." And people are like, "Wait a minute! Don't tell me the Silicon Valley is gonna get into this because we already lived through Zoom and we lived through Second Life." And what is he talking about? We're gonna have these virtual meetings with avatars that float around with or without legs. So uh, there's actually a, a feeling, fair or not of comeuppance here that I think a lot of people are are tutting us for 
putting so much money, but I think a lot of it was just flat out Meta's money behind. I always, I always love hearing from European press because they have a different perspective. You talk to the Asian press, they're like Silicon Valleyites at heart. European press always is doubtful and assuming some underlying cause or evil or something like that. So I enjoy talking to him. All right. I want to talk about an old friend of yours. Uh, I, you know, Leslie, Leslie is my wife's assistant, my boy's godmother. I mentioned Elizabeth Holmes and she goes, Oh, I heard about that. I'm so pleased for Scott. That he's not <laughs> going to have to spend another six months <laughs> sitting in a courtroom. That's very kind of fans out there who are cheering that you don't have to go through another trial. That's very kind of them. And I get that everywhere I go in the coffee shops, whenever Holmes News came out, oh, you might be freed. And it's like, look, it's a big difference between covering somebody and possibly going to jail. Don't don't feel bad for me. Um, <laughs> you know, feel bad for her patients and investors. But yeah, so for I believe the third time now, uh, the federal judge said no new trial for Holmes. Right. They tried everything. Um, and just said, okay, we'll see you here on November 18th for sentencing. And that's going to be interesting because, again, as we know, she faces up to 20 years in prison. She's going to be first now because they put Sunny Balwani's hearing off until early December. So she will get all the attention once again. Um, you know, this is not here nor there necessarily, but when people were talking about her pregnancy, uh, will that come in? Will it be a delayed sentence, uh, you know, suspended perhaps because you know, she seemed to be five or six months along. Um, but I, I don't know that that even comes up. I've been talking to lawyer friends and and saying, does that sort of thing matter? What what happens here? And they're saying, you know, delayed or not, the, the main thing is going to be how much time she spends in prison. And and that's what we're going to finally find okay, out. So what's the betting line at this point? As we as we're only we're only 10 days away. I don't even want to talk about a betting line. That feels disrespectful. Obviously, there are plenty of people who were burned here and they want justice to be done, but I'll let them handle the speculation. Okay. Well, if I was Sonny Balwani, I would be watching, I would be at SFO at the airport sitting watching the monitor as the verdict comes in, as the punishment round comes in. And if it didn't go good for Holmes, I'd be on the first plane to Uruguay or someplace that doesn't have extradition. I don't know if he's allowed to do that because he has his own sentencing date. So you'd think that would be somehow wrong. I, I don't, again, I'm, I'm no legal scholar here, but I think as much as he might've gone to school on her trial, his went even worse. Remember he was found oh, yes. guilty on all 12 charges. Uh, so I, it, it's hard to imagine that perhaps the COO goes to prison for longer than the CEO of a company that they were, you know, uh, found guilty of, of conspiracy uh, to fraud investors, but perhaps it'll be the same. And, and he's got to be watching this and whatever number she gets, I can't imagine that he'd be happy with a, a high number. Yeah. Okay. One final thing. You've already brought it up before we run out of time. Crypto. Should I give you a hard time? A couple of weeks ago, you said crypto is finally showing stability. It's not as volatile as it used to be. <laughs> Yeah, I, I said Bitcoin. Bitcoin has always acted like a 12-year-old, and now it's completely crashed. Yeah. Um, so this is this is interesting. So yeah, I mean, I, I admit I, I called Bitcoin, which had for months been around 20, 21,000, and then plummeted to about 16, 17, uh, because of what just happened this week, where FTX, one of the uh, exchanges, was... Um, struggling mightily as many of these things are. It was going to be bought out by another one, Binance, uh, more local. 
And then Binance said, you know what? We did our due diligence and FTX is just not worth buying. And so instantly FTX and its CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, who was seen as some sort of a stable force in crypto for whatever that means, uh, admitting he screwed up. He went on Twitter and used even harsher language to talk about how badly he ran this thing. And so that's another one that bites the dust uh, because they were lending out, I mean, gigantic sums of money. I, I can't imagine why a crypto company is going to do anything other than just protect its own assets uh, <laughs> or the short part of that word. Because, They're kind yeah. of, they, they pretend to be a bank, right. but then they act like speculators. Yeah, and, and that took everything down because if crypto gets hit again, and it did get hard hit over the week, um, you know, Coinbase is hit, Robinhood is hit, even, um, you know, Jack Dorsey's was square, now it's called Block is hit. Um, the whole thing just keeps collapsing and then finding ways to somehow stay optimistic. Um, and again, even on Thursday, uh, after Wednesday's collapse, Bitcoin rose like $1,000 a coin. Yep. People just really want to believe in that. And yet there's all this outside stuff that continues to just crash and burn around crypto because either it just got so far ahead of itself. People or... still want it, though. They still like the idea of crypto and they want to be part of it. Right. And that seems to buoy the industry up no matter how many scandals it has. It's true, but there's a difference between wanting a different way or a different currency yeah. And just pouring billions of dollars into something investment-wise that really hasn't, you know, come through yet. It's just proven to be a big money pit. Like the metaverse. Like the metaverse, yes. Uh, let's, I want to mention uh, Bitcoin fell below 16000 for the first time in two years. And uh, Ethereum fell below 1200 uh, for the first time since crypto's crash last summer. <laughs> Okay, well, I think I'll stay out of that, and uh, I'll head. I think I'm going to head on over to the local Pete's and look around for uh, older people uh, sitting with their laptops, all quietly huddled together talking. That'll that'll bring back my optimism about the state of the industry right now. And the market and the market went up to uh, Thursday, and we're waiting on Friday's results. So maybe good times are just around the corner. <laughs> we'll see. Of course, that's what they said in 1935, too. Uh, okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Have a great uh, three-day weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.